So few of us are taught to love ourselves unconditionally. We're told that if we aren't fixing, winning, or doing, we're failing. We struggle to just be our authentic selves, to find peace and stillness. We're inundated by cultural noise that pressures us to conform or be rejected. And these influences leave us feeling confused, distracted, and disconnected. Many of us have lost our identity and are struggling to integrate new concepts. But I believe we can come back into alignment and find our way back to who we truly are. Ralph Waldo Emerson famously said, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Today's noisy world can cause us to feel lonely, distracted, and lacking a sense of clarity and purpose. We long to exit the fight of life and enter into the flow of the universe. We're in search of wholeness, opportunity, and a feeling of belonging. And we want our lives to contribute to a more harmonious world. We want to understand who we are, why we're here, and who we can truly be. We long for deeper connection and alignment with humanity, nature, and spirit. We want to unearth our true essence and connect with our highest self. To live fully alive, able to shine so bright that we liberate the light in everyone we encounter. We want to live authentically and experience the awe of the vast universe. If you're tired of feeling a sense of dis-ease, misalignment, or disharmony that keeps you from reaching your greatest potential, perhaps it's time you do the work to find out who you truly are and who you could truly be. You owe it to yourself to explore that. I'd love to guide you on your journey and help you craft an identity that will draw you towards your highest self and allow you to create the impact you want to create in the world. If you'd like to dive into the integrated identity process and discover your greatest self, check out details on my website at www.jaredangaza.com. This is a space for authentic conversations around indigenous wisdom, consciousness, and social change. We dance with the big questions like who are we, why are we here, and how do we work towards a more peaceful and harmonious society. I'm Jared Angaza, and this is Anipi Radio. I'm always looking for patterns and little elements that come up in my life that I might want to adjust. Things that keep kind of poking their head up and, and <laughs> letting me understand that this is a problem area. This is something I might want to address. I want to be very deliberate about how I handle those things. Obviously, I want to be aware of it first, and then I want to be deliberate about correcting it. Uh, if something seems out of alignment, I want to bring it back in. Lately, I've noticed something, a thread, if you will. I've noticed a feeling of unease and frustration and, uh, when I, whenever I start noticing in a conversation that comparisons are starting to creep in. So there's this dynamic, this shift that happens. It seems a bit benign at first, and it can even go unnoticed. But then it starts to turn up and it turns into this kind of like toxic ooze that permeates the whole conversation. It takes over. It turns it into something that it wasn't. Like it takes this conversation and makes it about comparing it to some, you know, the thing I was talking about to something else rather than what it is on its own. It sort of robs us of the ability to look at something for what it is. Because at that point, we're looking at, at what it is as compared to something else. So I thought about this. And I thought about uh, creating a podcast about it, an episode, a solo episode, which I haven't done many of lately. 
And uh, here I am. Obviously, I chose to do it. <laughs> and part of the impetus was because as I was preparing for this, I got my, you know, my daily email from Seth Godin, one of my heroes, probably the biggest business influence on me. And I, I thought, well, all right, there's your confirmation, Jared. Go ahead and do it because uh, his email spoke directly to this. So I'm going to read it right now. It's called Skiing Out of Bounds. It came in a, a week or so ago. Some people find a thrill in going under the rope and skiing on the cliffs or other terrain outside the ski area. They'll tell you that the runs are better. But if the ski area extends the boundaries, suddenly those spots aren't as attractive. Now, it's the next bit that's seductive, beyond that. Because the thrill comes from the out-of-the-bounds part, not the skiing part. A different feeling with a similar boundary issue is the magic of a first-class seat. It doesn't matter the first-class seats are often smaller than they used to be. What matters is that they're better than coach. Compared to what is often the cornerstone of our narrative. Do you ever notice how someone can present something to you, such as an idea, a house, a song, a piece of art, or anything else? And when you view it by itself, you can observe it and experience its value for what it truly is. But as soon as an alternative is presented or whatever, we begin comparing it. It's like, okay, well, what does it look like compared to that thing? Or compared to my cognitive bias, what I already know, or already believe, rather, I should say. Uh, that's when we begin to understand, you know, that a thing only has value in that conversation as it's compared to something else, rather than seeing something for its intrinsic value. That seems a bit tragic to me, uh, like we're kind of missing the point. For instance, my daughter likes to run. Sarah likes to run. She's a big runner, and uh, she likes to run with me. A lot of times after I go running, I'll come back to the house, and then I'll do a little short run with her. And, and sometimes that run's not so short these days. She's getting really good. She's very fast. She's very determined. She's full of stamina. She knows she can do this. She's got a good head about it. She's very confident, and so on. Uh, she finds such great joy in running as do I. But the second she's uh, put into some kind of competition, uh, the comparisons start to take over. Instead of recognizing her own abilities and her own value and so on, she's focused solely on comparing how good she is to the next person. More on that shortly. For me, this kind of moves the conversation from observation to judgment. Uh, that's a recipe for deterioration in perception, ultimately, I guess, in relationships, if you let it go far enough. I have a friend that was sort of, my experience was, with him was sort of the impetus for this conversation. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit into, into that story, or a story that's one of many out of our relationship. Uh, there are some, there's a similar thread throughout though, however. He, he's, a, he's a great friend. He's a good guy. I love him. He's like family. And, and I, you know, this is not about that. But I did make an observation here, and, as, <laughs> and in light of what I'm talking about here and making an observation without a judgment, I'll do that as well with my friend. When I moved from Nashville to San Diego not too long ago, about four or five months ago, I said to him, you know, hey, bro, I really love it here. I love the weather. I love the beaches. I love the endless sun. I love the fact that uh, it never gets super cold, and for that matter, it doesn't even get super hot. Uh, I appreciate the lack of police presence. That's been a big discussion. I just hardly ever see them around here. 
Uh, I love the cool little pockets of communities. The like the intentionality of those communities is really amazing. Uh, they try to keep things sacred around here. I've noticed and certainly not everywhere, but in, in the areas that we are, uh, that we are most. I like the fact that a lot of people's schedule runs around the sunset. You know, it's like when's the sun coming up or when's it going down? And people are in tune with that. They're very cognizant of nature. People seem very deliberate. And I like what that says about people. I, I like to be in that kind of environment. I said all these things, among others, but we, we were just having a chat about it. And I was explaining the, my feelings around it. And, how, and I explained lots of things that I appreciate about San Diego. At no point did I make any kind of comparison to anywhere else about how San Diego is better about this or that than another place. However, uh, you know, he, he could have said, I guess, you know, bro, I'm so stoked for you and your family. It's going to be amazing and, and so on. I know you thrive in that kind of environment. And I think that came up at some point. But ultimately, his first response was, is before I had even finished, actually. Yeah, but Nashville's a great place, too. And let me tell you why. And that went on for a while. Uh, and he was constantly comparing, this is why Nashville is just as good or better than San Diego. That's a really different conversation than what I went into with all my joy about having just moved to this place. And, and again, I could have very easily compared it to Nashville had I seen how I just came from there. And I didn't. I didn't feel that it served us in any way to do that. In the end, you know, I just kind of sat and listened, and ultimately there wasn't much left for me to say other than, yep, Nashville's great too. Thanks for the conversation. So, I mean, at the same time, it, you know, it saddened me a bit because it took, it robbed us of some joy we could have had. Uh, it felt like it was kind of a lame way to handle my joy. He sucked the joy out and turned it into a debate. Uh, and it made me much more cognizant, however, of the way that, you know, that I handle a conversation and my tendencies to compare something. Uh, even sometimes the, the, the idea of relating like, oh yeah, this happened to me too. Sometimes can get into a comparison story. Like, well, you know, was that story as good as the one I just gave? <laughs> I don't like to get into that. It's so much nicer sometimes just to listen, to validate someone. That's, uh, I mean, this being cognizant of this lately has really helped me to, to create some better habits to counteract those tendencies as well. A lot of those are just questions I'm asking myself, and I'll, I'll throw some of those in here at the end. Um, I'm, I'm grateful, you know, that this experience has driven me towards that, towards creating those practices. Uh, but I want to break it down a little bit, um, you know, see how it affects your life as well. I talk about spirituality and religion a lot, obviously, so let's, let's go there. Uh, I was raised in a fairly conservative Christian family. I have Amish and Mennonite relatives that I'm very close to. I lived in Mombasa, Kenya. That's a Muslim town. I lived there for two years. Uh, I have close friends with all sorts of religions and beliefs and all kinds of walks of life, uh, and I can talk to them about anything. They, they know that I'm not coming in to, uh, to debate necessarily. <laughs> it's not always been my reputation, but lately it has been. Uh, I'm not coming into debate. I'm not trying to convert anybody. That's a big leap there from what we've been talking about. I'm not trying to convert anyone. And I've said to this friend actually before, I was like, hey, could we have a conversation without you trying to convert me to your way of thinking? I just, can we just talk? Uh, there's freedom in that. The need to compare ideologies and beliefs uh, sort of uh, takes a lot of the peace out of any conversation about ideologies and beliefs. 
um, religions in general, I, I, I know, I guess, tend to be pretty judgmental in that they're saying, you know, it's this way or, or not. Um, I, I suppose if they weren't, though, they'd, they'd have little need for a religion. <laughs> no, no, you just have a practice. Anyway, that's another discussion. My point is that I can talk to a Muslim, a Hindu, a Christian, an agnostic, an atheist, whatever, it doesn't matter, about their beliefs uh, while also talking about mine and still not feel the need to compare or judge. And I have a lot of friends that, many of which are outside what I would call religion, but very, very, very spiritually grounded and motivated. And they also have the ability to have a very nice conversation without judgment because that's not built into their practice. I'm simply observing, I guess, a perspective for what it is without comparing it to mine. And and I value it for what it is in and of itself. So if, like if I won some, you know, contest or something for, a, you know, a new Ford Explorer, I'd be elated. It's a brand new car, man. <laughs> um, but if I start comparing it to like, well, you know, we were talking about a Range Rover. I don't know. <laughs> Ford Explorer's not a Range Rover. Uh, all of a sudden, that great new car that great new gift that we, you know, just receive starts to turn into something less. It's second best. It's not good enough. It's a bit less than I hoped for, whatever. Uh, But if I don't compare it, all I'm left with is, oh my God, I just want a new car. That's amazing. So, you know, if I get a flat tire and talk about how bad it is and, you know, how late we're going to be and and how difficult it's going to be to navigate and da, 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 and you know, it wouldn't be like this if we hadn't got a flat tire. Again, a comparison there. I, I'm sort of interlinking the discussion of comparison and judgment, uh, which kind of go hand in hand and we'll untangle out a bit. I, you know, I can simply observe it and get out and fix it and carry on, uh, or I can judge it. You know, I can judge the situation and compare it and, and so on and so on. I mean, in fact, my, I guess my normal response to getting a flat tire would be something like looking around and saying, like, what amazing things about to happen now? What am I being tuned into? I'm making space in that moment f- to experience the miracles that I do believe are floating around me in every moment, all of us. Uh, you know, sometimes I think it's, you know, something like a flat tire or, or getting a cold or something is often, to me anyway, feels like, just kind of a prodding um, from the universe to slow down or listen or become more aware or let go of something. <laughs> Those are usually the top on the list. It's different every time, but uh, this, and, and a lot of times it's not even related to what actually happened. Like a flat tire may not have anything to do with me becoming more aware of a situation in a relationship or something, but it may still be an effective tool for getting my attention. Uh, if I judge it, however, you know, that, that can lead me down a path where I end up, you know, tripping into some nasty case of self-loathing or fear or resentment or God knows what. And I don't need that in my life. So, I mean, it is a choice. It's like, I know what I'm going to get if I choose this path or that path or at least have an idea. I'd rather choose the path of tuning in and becoming more aware and, and asking questions rather than just judging it and saying this is a bad thing or this shouldn't be this way or, or whatever. I feel that judging and comparing are close siblings, as I alluded to a minute ago. Like, how do you compare something, really, without at least implying some sort of judgment about it? Like, well, I 
I'm comparing it saying, well, it's this way or it's that way. Now, I, I, I think I can compare something and say, you know, this one is red and this one is black without a judgment. But that's not typically how our conversations go when it comes to comparing. <laughs> that's a nice, healthy way to do it, but that's not necessarily common either. I, I think, you know, if I say, oh, wow, thanks so much for this new camera. What an amazing gift. That's authentic gratitude. But if I say, oh, wow, thanks so much for this camera. It's almost like the one I wanted. <laughs> you know, that's a very different feeling. It's a comparison. It's not a very good way to accept a gift either. But the act of comparing essentially devalued that gift to some degree. So, uh, you know, what are the chances that if you actually said that out loud, I assume you wouldn't, but if you did, you know, oh, it's almost like the one I want. I mean, you wouldn't say that. Why? Because it's disrespectful. It's not kind. It's missing the point. It's not being grateful and so on. So, you know, my feeling is if you're thinking it, you need to address that, whether or not you're good enough to not say it or not. I'm going to go ahead and, and throw this out there and say I'm not a big fan of competitive sports. I realize the riskiness in saying that, but suffice it to say, you know, I would prefer that society held their spiritual beliefs in such high regard with so much devotion, time, attention, discipline, and and, and whatever. Um, that'd be wonderful. Think of sports, if you could, for a moment, without competition or comparison. Uh, obviously, the competition's ingrained there, but in that, we have comparison. They're sort of synonymous in that way. Think about it, though, for a minute. Sports without comparison. It just doesn't work very well. Most sports don't work without a foundation of comparison. That's kind of the nature of competition itself, I guess, is kind of comparing yourself as you go. Incidentally, we do not put our kids into any competitive sports. Maybe someday, but right now, it's not where we're at. They haven't asked for it. Uh, you know, obviously, we could do like most people and put them in local sports and so on, even though they're homeschooled. Uh, but I don't really want to introduce that level of comparison and competition into their lives at such an early age. I'd rather them be focused on learning something, you know, more around the idea of being mindful and being love and, and relationship building and being kind and, and all those kind of things and, and things that I can do to build their confidence, which, by the way, unless they happen to be the big winner in a competitive sport, it's not the greatest way to build a kid's confidence. In fact, it takes it the other way. And I think confidence is the greatest gift, we, one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children especially in those early childhood development years. I think, you know, the motivation anyway for, for sports, especially for kids in this discussion, is physical exercise and being a team player and, you know, having community and, uh, you know, overcoming obstacles, all those kind of things that we, that we say, you know, this is what kids are doing sports for. That's why they're there. However, I'm quite confident that we can provide other avenues for those lessons and, you know, and, and the benefits that come from that that are outside of the games that also tend to evoke a lot of fighting and comparing and self-confidence and problems and so on. So like, could we get physical exercise and team player and overcoming obstacles and stuff? Could we get that instilled in our children through something besides sports that also has all the fighting and backbiting and comparing and confidence problems and so on? I... I would certainly think so. People have done it. So our, our kids, uh, you know, they have daily social activities. Um, they're super athletic. They're outside all the time. They have lots of close friends and so on and so on. I mean, I, I have to ask, like, is there something missing from that that 
Like when somebody says, why don't you have them in sports? I'm like, I don't, I haven't recognized a deficit that would require us to do that and take on all the other negative aspects of it as well. Obviously, I'm generalizing, yes, to make a point. Um, you can do worse things and send your kids to soccer practice. That's what I'm getting at. We don't have to be zealous, zealous about this. <laughs> but at the same time, I think the principles are pretty sound here. Uh, there's value in competitive sports, I'm sure, um, and, and maybe more in a, at a later age. Uh, I could certainly make the argument for that. Uh, after they have a foundation of confidence and so on. I, at the end of the day, I, you know, if I look across the board and say, like, what do I want my kids doing? It, it's, I'd rather them, you know, take yoga or capoeira or qigong or something that's going to be more mindful that they can take that forward into anything they do and probably <laughs> it would help them a lot in sports later on. You know, why not give them the foundation of that mindfulness and awareness and in-tuneness, if you will, um, not to mention confidence and so on that comes with that, and then throw them into the sports so they can do it well, let's just say, uh, and not let it eat them up. Anything that we get our kids involved with, I have to say, you know, how, how does this serve them? Is it something they need? Is it something they want? You know, even is it uh, what will drive them further towards love and compassion and patience, I, I think is really what I'm always looking at. I don't find any value even in comparing myself to anyone else. Obviously, as a coach and podcaster and whatever, I mean, that would be easy for me to do, to indulge in that comparing activity. But I have a lot of gurus that I follow, leaders, teachers, gurus, whatever you want to call them. Um, but I'm not trying to be them. I have a lot of peers that I admire, people that are in my field. That I, you know, I, I have elements that I see in them that I want to emulate for sure. Uh, but I don't want to be them or, or even I, for that matter, I don't want to defeat them either. I don't have any reason to do that. I'm pretty, uh, I'm very deliberate about seeing someone kind of in my space or whatever and saying, you know what? I'm sending that person love and light today. I'm so excited for them. I genuinely am. And I let myself get excited about that for them. I hope they would be for me as well. I want to appreciate their success, you know, rather than compare it or defeat them. Okay, and we can get into a, you know, another side of this discussion too, to go a little deeper and in, even into the Jesus discussion. Jesus' message was to follow his philosophy, not to be him. I mean, he wasn't saying just to, to do that. I mean, he obviously wasn't big on judgment either as a, as a general rule. And the idea of uh, being a disciple, which is what he was discussing at that point, was to take up the rabbi's yoke and emulate the ways of that rabbi, not necessarily to become that rabbi, or, or explicitly not to become that rabbi. Uh, they were to take these principles, uh, the, the, the ways of the rabbi, and sort of alchemically transmute those elements into their own identity. So it's like taking those principles and elements out of them, the, the rabbi that they want to take forward, to emulate, to carry forward. And, and then saying, and here's my personality, my characteristics, and so on and so on, and putting that all together. And then they become a new rabbi with a message and with disciples and so on. Uh, could you, I mean, <laughs> imagine what would happen each time if the disciple, when taking up their, uh, you know, the, the, the yoke of their rabbi, were to spend any amount of time comparing themselves to that rabbi? let alone Jesus. <laughs> uh, 
that I'd say that's probably not going to evoke any positive emotions. Uh, and, and again, I feel it's missing the point. I, you know, I, I want to, I look at other people in my life and I think like, I want to respond more like Ram Das does to life or Wayne Dyer. Um, I want to have, I want to walk around with this profound intuition and wisdom like Marianne Williamson or have the patience and mindfulness of Thich Nhat Hanh or, you know, for me, I, I want to evoke the wonder and bring the awe like somebody like Jason Silva. He's amazing. I mean, he goes into his flow state and just, uh, it's, it, it brings me wonder and awe just to watch him talk about wonder and awe. Um, I want to do that stuff, like, you know, in similar ways to those guys, or at least it's similar in the impact. But I don't want to be them, and I don't find any value in comparing myself to them. I'm sure they wouldn't either. I simply admire certain traits in each of them. And I inspire to incorporate those traits into my own identity and make it part of me, uh, like a disciple would with a rabbi. Uh, think of the kid that, you know, that draws or builds something you know, and, and, and thinks it's just magnificent, glorious, wonderful, uh, until they see some other kid's creation or they're introduced to it by an adult you know, or something. You know, maybe next time you can make it like this or, you know, you're doing well, but this or that, you know, when you have something on the other side of it that's perceived then or, or sold to the kid as being better in some way, uh, think about that in, in the kid's mind and how that can be so devastating. And I'm obviously saying that because I've seen some of that happen. And I, anyway, I think we can learn from that scene, just kind of playing that over and thinking about how we take that into other aspects of our life. I think that we devalue an observation of some kind when we compare it to something else. It's like we're, you know, even, even when we think something is better, um, do we really need to devalue something else in order to articulate the value of that? Uh, is that necessary? Could we just talk about the value without the comparison? I mean, I realize sometimes you're trying to say like, oh, it's, it's like this thing and and in a good way or whatever. And so you have to compare it that way and, and say it's similar to this or whatever. That's obviously not what I'm talking about. Um, I do think that we can value something more without devaluing something else just simply by refraining from comparing it. Uh, it's like we get the real thing when we don't have to compare it to something else. Then that skews it, in my opinion. I think it, it's hard to do at first, obviously, but you get the hang of it after a while. I'm certainly paying a lot of attention to it, um, to simply observe something without comparing it. I can like San Diego without comparing it to anything else. I can like myself without comparing myself to anyone else. In fact, I usually feel better when I don't. Uh, if I compare myself to someone that I view as somehow being superior to me, that doesn't make me feel great. Uh, or does it even serve them, really? And I, I, the same way, you know, the same thing goes for comparing myself to someone I believe to, be, you know, may believe to be inferior in some way. I mean, that doesn't make anybody feel great either. And it's certainly not me. Uh, I don't want to be in the habit of looking at someone and saying, oh, and, and even like calculating whether or not I think they are inferior to me. It serves nothing. Uh, I don't feel that comparison serves much of any positive purpose. Again, there are exceptions to the rule, but in general, I, I like to stay away from it. I don't feel like a situation has power over me until I judge it 
and just think about that. I mean, you have the ability to sort of manage your power, if you will, um, by not judging something. That's important. All right. So I'm, I'm very deliberate about my life and, and the things that I allow to influence me. And I'm also very deliberate about my influence over other people, especially my kids. There are very few things in my life at this point that come out of me that are not thought out well or deliberate or intentional. Um, and, and one of the things I pay a lot of attention to is the impact I have when I walk into a room, the energy that I bring into a room. That was a big thing that a lot of people talked to me about. And, you know, back in my activism days when I'd walk into a room, you know, just raging about some issue that was going on from a justice issue or something like that. Um, and I brought that energy into a room and it was, uh, made me somebody I didn't want to be, suffice it to say. So I spent a lot of years, you know, uh, turning things back around in that regard and finding peace and, and being very cognizant of the energy that I do bring into a room and, and deliberate about, you know, how I, what I want to bring into a room. One of the things I'm asking myself when I'm in a conversation and, you know, when I walk into a room and I'm in a conversation with other people, you know, does that person feel validated? Do they feel valued? Have I, you know, have I found a way to connect with their values, to help them feel heard? Do I bring light into the room or do I bring heaviness? Uh, do I bring faith or fear, you know, love and compassion or, or, or something less? Uh, when I noticed the comparing dynamic, this, you know, that the, the was the impetus of this discussion, I had to ask myself, you know, are, are you the guy that deflates the conversation and turns it towards negativity by way of comparing? Or are you, are you the guy that simply is able to observe something without feeling the need to compare or judge it? And I, you know, yeah, I think you have to ask yourself that and say, well, who do I want to be? I think a great way to validate someone's feelings is to refrain from comparing their feelings and their experience to yours or someone else's or this or that. Um, but just to have that moment at the end where you really do take it in and, and then honor it. Wow, that's great, man. Without having to make the comparison. Or if, if I make an offer of, of something or like, hey, what if we did this or whatever, and then you compare it to something else, then it starts to devalue things. I recognize there's a utilitarian dynamic of comparing things. I get that. Again, we don't have to swing the pendulum all the way over to the other side. But I think it's worth being more aware, more cognizant of uh, how we affect conversations when we have the tendency to start comparing things. And I think there's a real freedom in not doing that. I would say probably for, for both parties. Um, I, I don't want to be the guy that brings that into a room, that's for sure. Uh, I, and it is something I think about often and, and, and try to be very deliberate about uh, in any conversation. And you never know the ripple effect of your influence on someone, you know, even in a fleeting moment. A thing, an experience, a person, whatever it is, I mean... I've, I feel like it can be good and valuable and wonderful without comparing it to anything else, arguably more, I guess. Uh, you know, when a baby looks at a flower and is completely blown away by it, just ooh and ah and over a flower, 
it's not because it's comparing it to, you know, to, oh, well, there was this lesser version I saw yesterday and today this one's just immaculate. It's just there, like in that moment, appreciating it in all of its glory for what it is. I feel like another thing that sort of ruffles my feathers on this one, if you will, is comparing is is rooted in the past, really. I mean, you can't compare something to the future that I'm aware of. If you bring in all of these, I don't know, ideals or beliefs that I have in this, and that, you know, I, I'm not big on going back into the past and unless there's some something there I can observe that will bring me light and love and elevate me in, in, in form of a lesson or clarity or something like that. That's great, but I'm not, I don't want to go back there and wallow in anything. Um, the past, I think, is, is good for, you know, reflection on, on lessons and things like that. That's great, as long as you can do it with a positive slant. Um, otherwise, I don't have much purpose for it. I'm trying to be here now, in this moment, uh, as present as I can possibly be. So by nature of comparing, I, I think you, you're, you're comparing one thing to a previous understanding of another thing. Just, uh, I don't know any other way around it. So again, it's, it's another element. It's just not very attractive. Uh, I think it limits our ability to live in the present moment as well when we're comparing things to the past. Um, I guess I have to ask, you know, is there any reason to compare other than to influence how I might gauge something's value? Is there, you know, if you, I guess, agree that comparing is an act of viewing something... Um, and, and looking at how it compares to something else, you know, as, as it's relative to another thing for the purpose of gauging its value, I guess, to some degree, I'd have to ask, you know, is that the best way to determine something's value? I, I always have want to ask that like, okay, well, this is the way we always do this. Great. Is that the best way to actually get the real answer? Is that just the way that we always do that? I could probably do another podcast episode on that dynamic. I think when you introduce comparison into a conversation, I would encourage you to ask, I guess, how does it affect the quality of the communication? How does it affect the relationship when you start comparing? Especially if it's, you know, showing how whatever they've given you is, is lesser than whatever it is you compared to. When you remove comparison from your life, for me, it's like this, wow, I can be free in this conversation. We can talk and be free and and understand kind of the essence of this and together as opposed to there being a constant comparison. You know, when I walk into a room and feel no need to compare myself to anyone else, I'm free. I can be me. I can be authentic without fear, you know, liberation and love and energy and confidence and all these things can pour out of me. I can be free to be authentic and unique. That feeling uh, I get in a crowd, I guess, when in that instance, it it probably comes off as confidence. Great. (laughs) I will take that. I mean, I want people to understand that I am confident. I'm a guide. I'm a coach. I'm a brand developer. People need to be confident in my confidence, right? I think that's a beautiful thing. It's like when we look at someone and say, "Oh, oh, they're very confident. I have to believe too that there's probably a lack of them comparing themselves to other people they think are superior to them <laughs> in that. Uh, and I say that, you know, partly from my own experience and conversations and asking around about this as I've been developing this podcast. 
when you're comparing, you're choosing a different type of value system that's simply valuing something, you know, rather than valuing something on its own merit. When someone says something and you immediately compare it to something else, you've kind of taken something away from that conversation. A little bit of beauty just kind of went out the door, I think. Even if you're comparing it to something that you both think is inferior or whatever, uh, what if you just refrained, you know, with no comparison to anything? When my friend took the opportunity to defend Nashville against my appreciation of San Diego, rather than just appreciate San Diego with me or just appreciate that I appreciate it, just, you know, validate a friend, it turned our conversation about gratitude and appreciation into like a battle, a dispute about which city's better. I'm not concerned at all with that. It's not something even on my radar. Uh, I never wanted that conversation, you know, and obviously I can say that this has lots of instances and in no case did I want any of that. I wanted to just talk about the thing that is or was or whatever. I wanted to share joy with my friend ultimately, and, and it was certainly dissipated at the very least by the way that he came back in the conversation. So I'd encourage you to ask some questions. You know, I'm doing the same, the same questions I'm asking myself. Can you compare without judging? I'm not sure uh, what my answer is to that yet. I'm not sure. If I observe something and compare it to something else, I have no choice really but to judge the situation in order to articulate my actual comparison. Uh, The act of comparing, I think, seems to be a sure way to devalue and degrade a conversation or a thing. So here's some questions, I guess, more formally that I'm pondering, uh, you know, is judging a circumstance or a person a positive investment in my life? I think we know the answer to that. Um, what if I could simply observe it rather than judge it? How would that serve me? Uh, where do I tend to compare most often in my life? Like what are, where, what are the times when I'm most likely to be comparing things? And whether it be in conversation or just my own thoughts or experience or whatever. Does comparing serve me or anyone else positively? Does comparing bring you strength or weakness in your heart? That's something that is a, is a very Taoist kind of discussion. It, does this feeling that's coming out of you bring you uh, strength or weakness? Does this thing that you're saying bring you strength or weakness? Uh, when I go down the negative path of comparing, or the path of negative comparing, I should say, it, it in no way brings me strength and, and, and not anyone else that I'm aware of either. You know, what could happen if I simply chose to refrain from comparing? Even just an experiment, you know, do it for a week and see if like every, catch yourself every time you're comparing and then see what it would have been like had you not. I encourage you to declare today free yourself of comparison day. <laughs> Maybe every day after, if you'd like. <sighs> Whatever you need to do, you know, to liberate you from this social malady. I trust you on that. Uh, you know, try it for a while, see if it works. But just tune into your discussions and notice when you or someone else starts to make a comparison in a conversation. Notice how often that comparison is rooted in judgment. Notice how the comparisons change the way the conversation could have gone. Think about the conversation and how it might have been had you simply chose to observe it for what it is, to be present, to sit with it, 
to value it simply as it is on its own. You get to decide, does the habit or act of comparison enhance your life or anyone else's? Does it make you feel better? Does it make other people feel better? Is it something that you want to carry forward in your life? Or is today the day that you just decide to be free from comparison? Thanks so much for holding this space for love and wisdom with us today. If you appreciate this discussion, I hope you'll share it widely and rate and review it on iTunes. That's the best way to amplify this message. An EP Radio theme music is provided by Human Suits from their original soundtrack for the documentary Planetary. Check them out and download their music at humansuits.bandcamp.com. Until next time, I wish you peace on your journey. May you always align with love and let your life speak. Takuya Yasin.